and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to you. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. We've been going through the epistle to the Galatians, and really, really been enjoying that. Um, if you haven't been here, been following that, they're on the YouTube page and the uh, To Tell the Truth page. You can look up all those different things. As we've been working through Galatians, and... The really cool thing about God's Word that thrills me now, now we were talking this month, um, it's been nine years since I've taken the class. And in that time, you grow and you grow, and sometimes it's faster and sometimes you kind of are stuttering a little bit, but then as you get hungry, you go after it. And the cool thing with God's Word is no matter how hungry you get, you'll never be full. Because as you dig deeper, you just find more jewels and more riches and more rubies, and you just want to keep digging and keep digging and keep digging. And as you gain a better understanding of God's Word, you learn, like as we're going through Galatians, the background of it, and why were these guys here, and what were they doing, and going into the corresponding records in Acts and in Romans, and seeing how the Word fits together, and you get this background. And uh, there's just something... Yeah, think of this like we do Galatians. What I'm teaching tonight's the spinoff, the spinoff show, because we, we went through something in Galatians that just about made my jaw hit the floor that for years I'd read and just skimmed right over. Never really noticed it, never really thought about it. Um, so we're going to start tonight in the first chapter of Galatians. So if you go to Galatians, <clears throat> and to set this up, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because we are going through the epistle of the Galatians. But just as our jumping off point, chapter 1 of Galatians, we'll start in verse 13. And here Paul is talking to the Galatians and he's giving them the background about him. And he starts it off in verse 13, For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion. Paul's saying, you know who I am who I used to be. All right, that word conversation is that manner of living, the way I used to be, the way the person I used to be. We use the phrase, before I got in the Word. That's who I used to be. Paul's saying, you've heard of my manner of living, my conversation in times past in the Jews' religion. How that beyond measure, I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. Beyond measure, he persecuted the ecclesia, the called out, the church of God. He persecuted it beyond measure. Beyond measure, he persecuted the church of God and wasted it. Paul was going into home fellowships and dragging people out. Because in the Jews' religion, he's saying these people are preaching blasphemy against God. He says, I, I know that the word says this, and you guys are doing it wrong, so he's going to haul you off to prison and take care of this, that, and the other thing. So he persecuted the church of God. That's us, the born-again believers. Persecuted the church of God and wasted it. Wasted it. Verse 14. 
and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. Paul's climbing the ladder real fast. All these Jews at the top echelon, they see what Paul's doing, how exceedingly zealous he is after the traditions. Oh, the traditions of my fathers. Paul's saying, these people are preaching the wrong thing. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to take care of it. Rather than just sitting there and putting up posters saying, you shouldn't do that, Paul says, I'm going to take action. And he's dragging people out. And he's, he's getting promoted. He's climbing the ladder and he keeps going up and up and getting more and more popular in the Jews' religion above all of his peers, all of, his, all of uh, the other kids in his class. He's making the dean's list. Verse 15. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me that I might preach Him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. So Paul gets converted on the road to Damascus. Remember? He says, Paul, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Right? So Paul gets converted on the road to Damascus. And he's saying, God separated him from his mother's womb and called me by his grace. By his grace. Because Paul certainly didn't do anything to deserve it. You and I didn't do anything to deserve it, right? We know that's what all Galatians is about, the law or grace. Do we work for it and earn it? No, we got it by grace. So verse 16, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him, Jesus Christ, among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. You know, he didn't just go out and start talking with all these guys. He took some time alone with God. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them were apostles before me, but I went unto Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Right? We went over all this. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But other of the apostles saw I none save James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterwards, I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. So he's in Syria and Cilicia, right? He took some time alone. He's with Peter. He saw James, the Lord's brother. And now he's going into Syria and Cilicia. And was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. Verse 23. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preaches the faith which, which once he destroyed. And they glorified God in me. They glorified God in Paul. Here's this guy that was going into fellowships. Right? Let, let's put this... Let's take this and put this into today. Alright? Let's say, for instance, the governor, because everybody loves him so much here, the governor has this plan and says, you know what, these home fellowships aren't safe. They're not good. I say we shouldn't have them anymore. So he makes a committee and he puts some guy in charge of this committee. Paul. Let's have Paul in charge of this committee. To go out and round up these people that are having these home fellowships and drag them off into prison. That's what we're going to do. So here's this guy and we, we're on Facebook, we're on our social media and there's believers down in New Jersey and New York City and Pennsylvania. We keep hearing about they're getting the door knocked down at their fellowship, and they're getting dragged off to jail and to prison. They're getting ticketed. They're getting fined. They're getting told they can't have these home fellowships anymore. 
you can't preach the Word of God anymore. That's what, that's what they're telling me. But this guy, Paul, geez, I don't want anything to do with this guy, Paul. If that was happening right now, I'd be saying, Lord, keep this guy away from me. Keep him away from here. I don't want anything to do with him. God, I don't care how you got to do it. Handle it. Get this, get this problem away from us. And then say for a few weeks, maybe a few months, a few years, we don't hear anything about this Paul guy. He's just up and disappeared. And then one day he comes walking down our driveway while we're out here sitting on the porch. What would you do? I know I wouldn't be glorifying God. I'd be locking the front door and saying, get this guy away from here. But they glorified God in me, glorified God in Paul. How did they do that? How did they do that? When this guy has taken believers, brothers and sisters in Christ and friends that they knew, and hauled them off to prison, had them stoned, was consenting unto Stephen's death. What if he took one of our fellowship leaders from another area and had him put to death? How would you feel if he came walking down the driveway? But they glorified God in him. How did they do that? How did they glorify God in him and not immediately have anger, not immediately have fear, not be filled with confusion? They glorified God. Well, we're going to find out in Romans chapter 12. But that's something to think about. What would you do? You know, and I do that a lot in my mind, playing out different scenarios of things that might happen, talking to people out in the real world. How are you going to react if something like this happens? Because if you have it in your head, well, this is what I should do. Then if that situation comes up, you'll already kind of have the game plan in mind. You know, what am I going to do if I'm witnessing to somebody and they say this? What am I going to say? What am I going to do? You know, things like that. In Romans chapter 12 and in verse 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. God wants us to present our bodies a living sacrifice. God never wanted dead sacrifices. If you read back through the Old Testament, He didn't want the dead sacrifices. Israel did. He didn't want judges. Israel did. He didn't want kings. Israel did. They said, those guys have kings. Those guys have judges. Those guys are burning goats, blah, 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 blah. And God says, all right, well, if you're going to want it, this is how you're going to do it. And then you get the law. God wants us to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. Verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be not conformed, be not molded to this world. You now, if you guys look on social media, if, you, if anybody still reads newspapers, if you walk out in the world, if you talk to people, it's just so full of love and so edifying and so peaceful. Oh, the world is the opposite of all those things. Don't be molded to this world. Don't, don't let the world mold you and conform you, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you renew your mind by reading God's Word and putting God's Word on in your mind. 
then you'll have love, then you'll have peace, then you'll have joy. But if you're going by what the world says, you're just going to be in the dark your whole life. You need to renew your mind. And that takes work. That takes work. The grace of us being born again, we didn't do anything for it. We just confessed. We confessed Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We believe God raised Him from the dead. We're heaven bound. We know that. We didn't have to work for that. But to have peace, joy, love, patience in this life, you need to renew your mind. You need to put in the work to read the Word, to put it on in your mind. And that's the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what's that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, Grace, my wife Grace, uh, did a teaching similar to that, talking about renewing your mind and controlling your emotions. And you know, that's really important too. Skip down to verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Let love, that word dissimulation is hypocrisy. Let love be without hypocrisy. And the word love in verse 9 is agape, the Greek word agape, which means the love of God. There's different words for love that God uses throughout His word. Verse 9 is agape. Let love, let your love of God be without hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. And that's a different love. That's phileo. That's the Greek word phileo, brotherly love. Philadelphia, right? It's not called the city of brotherly love because they call, they throw snowballs at Santa Claus. It's because it's Philadelphia. It means brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. So let love be without hypocrisy, abhor that which is evil, and cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessity of saints, to the born-again believers, Given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Should we say this louder to the people on Facebook? Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Doesn't mean that you do something nice for somebody and the minute they turn your back, you're mumbling over your breath calling him a, you know, so-and-so. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Be of the same mind one toward another. On everything, all things, all the time, we all have the same thing. We don't have our own opinions. We don't have our own points of view. We don't have our own things that we like or dislike. We just all say the same thing, right? No. Be of the same mind of the Word of God. The Word of God. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not the high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Don't be all haughty and nose up in the air thinking that you know it all. Recompense, verse 17, to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. 
Recompense to no man evil for evil. And I love, this is the part I was trying to get to. In verse 18, God knows how frail we are. God knows that we are dust. Because I love the way he words this in verse 18. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. If you can muster it up, if you can dig deep, and as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Live peaceably with all men. To live peaceably with all men, that's agape. That's the love of God. The love of God. When you're not doing, when you're not putting forth that love, expecting to get it back. That love of God is just, that's just what you give out. This is what I got. I got agape. I'm renewing my mind to what God's word says. I'm not returning evil for evil. As much as lieth in me, even the guy who won't stop talking about all the things that you can't stand and won't leave you alone and is driving you up the wall, yep, you're still going to show him the love of God as much as lieth in you. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Live peaceably with all men. So that's that love, um, agape, that love of God. And if we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Thirteen. First Corinthians thirteen. We're going to get into this love of God. It's that love of God the Judeans had that they were able to glorify God in Paul. That they weren't just overcome with anger and fear and all sorts of resentment and you know all confusion. We think about Ephesians three twenty, that he could do exceeding abundantly all above all we ask or think. You know, if we're sitting here and there's some guy, Paul, who's destroying fellowships and we're just saying, God, just take it away. Just get rid of them. I don't care. Keep them away from us. That's all we want. God will do one bigger. God's going to make him the apostle that the great mystery is going to get revealed to. That's how exceeding above all we can ask or think God can do. So in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, we'll start in verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. That word charity doesn't mean giving all your stuff and making it a write-off on your taxes at the end of the year because you gave to charity. No. The word charity is the love of God in the renewed mind in manifestation. It's that evidence of that love of God in your renewed mind. When you're putting it on and you're holding it forth, it's that love of God and the renewed mind and manifestation. So Paul's talking about speaking in tongues. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not the love of God, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. I'm just making noise. Verse 2. And though I have prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not the love of God, I am nothing. So far, Paul's talking about manifestations of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, wisdom, knowledge, and faith, or believing. He's saying, I can have prophecy, knowledge, believing. Believing, enough believing that he could remove mountains. That's a lot of believing. But if he doesn't have that love of God, he says, I am nothing. Verse 3, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, 
And though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. So there's that charity that everybody else does, right? I give all my stuff to the poor. Look at what a good person I am. Did you see how much I donated to this charity and that charity? Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, if you don't have the love of God and the renewed mind, it profits me nothing. All these people that want to give stuff away so that these celebrities can take a picture and say, hey, look what I did for this charity. Well, what's their motivation? What's their heart? What's their reason behind it? So they can get a picture taken. Everybody can say, what a good person this is. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and I give my body to be burned, if I don't have that love of God, it profits me nothing. Verse 4, Charity suffereth long and is kind. The love of God suffers long. It's patient. That's that biblical meaning of suffereth long. The love of God is patient. The love of God is kind. The love of God envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, it is not puffed up. Charity isn't all proud and boastful and, oh, look at me and how good I am and all this stuff. The love of God doesn't get jealous. And I thought about this one. My brother just bought a brand new truck. It looks real nice. I got an old truck. It's beat up, it's rusty, and it's making funny noises. I'm not jealous of my brother's new truck. I'm blessed that he has a new truck, and I'm blessed with my truck. That's the love of God. I'm not mad that he's got another truck, and oh, I wish I had it. I'm happy with my truck, and he's happy with his. Love of God envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, and it is not puffed up. Verse 5, doth not behave itself unseemly. I love cigars. And there's no rule or reason why I couldn't have walked in here tonight puffing on a big fat Cohiba and taught the word to you guys. But that would have been a little unseemly. (laughs) That wouldn't have been loving to all the rest of you guys in this room. That wouldn't have been the love of God to all you. The love of God, it does not behave itself unseemly. It seeks not her own. It is not easily provoked, and it thinketh no evil. The love of God is not easily provoked. When, you have, when you're renewing your mind and walking forth on the love of God, the little things don't bother you. The little things don't bother you. And you're not easily provoked. You're not easily quick to anger. Because you know, you know who's pulling the strings in this world. You can see things with spiritual eyes. And when you're walking with a renewed mind and that love of God, you are not quick to anger. And you thinketh no evil. Thinketh no evil. It doeth no evil? Thinketh no evil. Verse 6. The love of God in the renewed mind rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. The love of God, when you're walking in the love of God, you don't rejoice in evil things and bad things and wrong things when you know what they are according to God's Word. The world says some things are good and some things are bad. I don't care what the world says. The world view changes all the time. I want to care what, or I care about what the truth says. The Word of God rejoices, or the Word of God, 
I care what the Word of God says. The love of God rejoices not in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. The love of God bears all things, believes all things. All things. Everything everybody tells you, that's what you believe? No. Believe all things according to God's Word when it's rightly divided. Hopes all things and endures. The love of God endures. It endures. It persists. When you've got that love of God, you just keep going. You keep going. And you can endure. When the pressure is on, when you're backed up against the wall, and you're walking with that love of God in the renewed mind, you can endure. You can endure. Verse 8. Charity. That love of God in the renewed mind never what? It never fails. It never fails. You are never worse off listening to God's Word. You are never worse off walking forth on the promises of God. You are never worse off walking in the love of God. You're never worse off listening to God instead of yourself. The love of God, it never fails. It never fails. If you could have 100% guarantee something's going to work and then you've got an idea about something that might work, which way are you going to go? I know that the love of God and the renewed mind never fails because God's Word told me. And God's not a man that He should lie. The love of God never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. And now it's talking about the hope of Christ's return. For we know in part, right now, we know in part. And we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, when Jesus Christ comes, then that which is in part right now shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. When Christ comes, we're going to be able to put away the stuff that we know in part. We'll know it all. We'll know it all. We will see Him as He is. <laughs> I tried telling my son Noah that I was pretty sure, says, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. I said, I'm pretty sure God told you to go pick up your room. Put away those childish things. Verse 12, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. So right now we're looking through a dark glass. Like you'll think, think of it like a window that hasn't been washed. You're trying to look through it. Look through a glass darkly, but then, then when Christ comes back, we'll be face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I, even, shall I know even as I am known. And now, so right now, abideth faith, believing, the hope of Christ's return, charity, the love of God, and the renewed mind. These three. But the greatest of these is charity, is that love of God and the renewed mind. God puts great emphasis on that love of God. That here's these three things, faith, hope, and charity, but the greatest of these is charity, is that love, that love of God and the renewed mind. I wanted to talk about this tonight because I, I, I see what's going on in our country and in the world, and I see the way that people are behaving towards each other. And 
you know, you could fight the symptoms or you could fight the cause. And we know that the cause is that the adversary is pulling strings in this world. But we can combat that. We don't have to be conformed to this world. We could be transformed by the renewing of our mind when we put on that love of God. And if somebody wants to come up and say something nasty to you, love of God endures. <laughs> you can smile and you can say, that's all right, love you, God bless, you know. We don't have to have the knee-jerk reaction <laughs> to smack the guy a good one across the face. You know, my conversation in times past. <laughs> but we want to have this Word of God. You need to read the Word. We have to do that work to renew our mind. You have to know what God's Word says so that you can put it on in your mind so that you have what you're supposed to be thinking and doing, and so that you can walk forth on it. Um, we don't have time to get there, but in Galatians chapter 5 and in verse 22, it's the fruit of the Spirit. The love of God is one of the fruits of the Spirit. When you're walking forth, renewing your mind, you get fruit. When you're growing, you get fruit. When you know the apple tree, you want apples. You get that fruit. We want the fruit. We want that love. You get peace, joy, and long-suffering. Patience, not long-suffering. Uh, but we want fruit in our lives. We want peace. We want joy. We want that love. And when you walk forth in that love, then, I mean, nothing can stop you. So, love you guys. You can't bring me down. The word is on my mind.